Welcome to this week's sermon from Heights Worship Center. We believe God has something for you today. We hope this message encourages and inspires you. I'm excited to talk to you about the Bible engagement. This last week we learned about church. Everybody say church. Church. Why is church important? What is church? And I have a word from the Lord that I know is going to be very, very impactful and important. Father, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and fill this place. We ask that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts that are open, tender, and responsive to your word today. We thank you for your presence among us. We thank you for what you're doing. And we ask, Lord, more. In Jesus' name, amen. So the topic this week is we grow together. Everybody say, we grow together. You know, in America, the culture is very independent. It's about me, my goals, my dreams, my family. But the body of Christ is not about independence, but interdependence. Everybody say, interdependence. See, God did not create us to be Christians on an island. He created us to be connected together as the church. And I'm going to quote the opening of our Bible engagement. It says, when we think of church, it's easy for our mind to be instantly drawn to the building where we attend. However, in God's design, the church isn't the building that we gather in. Instead, the church has everything to do with the people who are gathered there. In essence, the biblical church is not a building we go to, but a family of believers we belong to. It's not a building, it's people. It's not an institution, it's a place of the inhabitation of God's presence. A family, think about an earthly family, your family, just think about your family. Now, all families are comprised of some personality. Some personalities that are easy to get along with. Some personalities that might challenge you a little bit. But you know, every family is comprised of all kinds of personalities. Let's be honest, not everyone gets along. You get big family reunions. Some people dread the holidays because of family. You know, there's disagreements. There's different points of view. There's different ways of cooking turkey. I mean, doing things. There's different opinions and different preferences. Some people in your family were born in. You had no choice. They were born in. You didn't choose your family. They didn't choose you. You were born into your family. Other people were married in through covenant. You didn't get to choose. But what binds a family together? Blood and covenant. No matter what, your family. No matter what, you've got each other's back, right? No matter what, through thick and thin, arguments, disagreements, challenges, you're still family. That's how it is in our families, right? Do you know that the family of God is exactly the same way? When we choose to believe in Jesus, we are now part of his family. And let me tell you, the family of God is comprised of a lot of personalities. Some that are easy to deal with, some that are going to challenge you in your ability to love like Jesus. Not everyone in the family of God gets along. Not everyone agrees on everything. 
We all got opinions and preferences and add that we're multi-ethnic and multi-generational and different cultures, different backgrounds. And you know what? We don't get to choose who's part of the family either. God chose your family. God chooses his family. You don't get to choose who belongs to the church family. God does. And you know how you join the family of God? You're born into it. How? Through faith in Jesus Christ. When you believe in Jesus Christ, you are born again. And now you belong to the family of God. That's why the body of Christ, the church, looks a little different. Look around. We got all kinds of shades of melatonin going on in this room. Oh, melatonin's the sleep thing. Melanin. Sorry, I've been out of nursing a long time, so it's, it's getting a little fuzzy. It's getting a little fuzzy. We all got different shades of melanin going on. Some of us a little lighter, some of us a little darker, and everything in between. Some of us got more gray hair than others. Some of us have no hair. I'm sorry. We got all kinds of personalities. But this Heights Worship Center, we are a family. And when it comes down to it, we belong to each other by the blood of Jesus Christ and the new covenant that is ours through faith in Christ. And we grow together. We got to have each other's back. Even when we disagree, we find ways to get it together. We don't allow ourselves to be divided, to fight, to be distant, to be isolated. We are a family of God. And we're called to grow together. And here's the thing about God's family. Just like your family has traditions and values, things you do, things you don't do, I remember hearing one mom say, our family doesn't lie. They're teaching a culture, they're teaching a value through their family culture, right? See, the, the family of God has his own culture. The family of God has his own value system. The family of God is directed by God, and we got to learn how to live according to his family values. So what does that mean for you and me? It means that we've got to learn the new way of being, of being part of a family. Now, if you've ever gotten married, you know how challenging it can be to join a new family. Even if you're the same ethnicity. Your family did it this way. My family did it this way. Now we're trying to figure out how we're going to do it. And I don't want to go to your family because they don't do it the way we do it. You know how challenging it is sometimes to blend two different families. Add in the challenge of different cultures and different backgrounds. It can be really challenging to merge families. But I'm telling you that in Christ, those are the things we learn to put away so that we can learn how to be the family of God. And sometimes he will merge us. Sometimes he will bring us together. Sometimes it means we got to let go of this so we can have this because it's about the kingdom of God and not what we've always been used to. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. We're going to be in the book of Ephesians today to look at what the Bible tells us about the church, the people of God. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 through 22. I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. It says, yet, look at you now, everything is new. Although you were once distant and far away from God, 
Now you have been brought delightfully close to him through the sacred blood of Jesus. You have actually been united to Christ. So what is our unifying factor? Christ. All right. Say again. What is our unifying factor? Christ. We have been united to Christ. Our reconciling peace is Jesus. He has made Jew and non-Jew, read it, one in Christ. We are what? One. Got to make sure you're awake. By dying as our sacrifice, he has broken down every wall of prejudice that separated us and has now made us equal through our union with Christ. Ethnic hatred has been dissolved by the crucifixion of his precious body on the cross. There is no room for racism and prejudice in the body of Christ. We are all equal and we are all one. We have something beautiful and unique to bring from our personal background and our cultural heritage and we should bring them. It's not about uniformity, but unity and diversity. Did you hear me? We're not trying to all look alike, sound alike, talk alike, unless that's Jesus. But there are different expressions of the giftings of the Holy Spirit, of the personality he's created in you. And you should release that through the image of God that he's given to you. So it's not about uniformity, but unity in diversity. Say that unity in diversity. And this takes work. And I'll tell you, our church has been through a lot of learning how to do this from being all Filipino to now look around. Unity in diversity. Learning how to be one in Christ. Ethnic hatred has been dissolved by the crucifixion of his precious body on the cross. You know what this scripture tells me? That the, pro that the problem of racism in America is not going to be solved by government, by laws or civil action. It will be solved by the blood of Jesus. And the church should demonstrate how different people of different cultures can get along and really love each other and live as one in Christ. They should look at us and see there's something about them that we could learn how to get along. Let's keep reading. The legal code that stood condemning every one of us has now been repealed by his command. His triune essence has made peace between us by starting over, forming one new race of humanity. Jews and non-Jews, Asians and whites and Hispanics and Middle Eastern and everything else. He's made us one. Everybody say one. One new race of humanity fused together in himself. The two have now become one and we live restored to God and reconciled in the body of Christ. Through his crucifixion, hatred died. So if you have some racism, some prejudice, some hatred, the, pro the, the answer is go to the cross of Jesus. Bring it to him in repentance. Ask him to change your heart to see humanity the way he sees humanity. Amen. For the Messiah has come to preach this sweet message of peace to you. The ones who are distant and to those who are near. And now because we, have, we are united to Christ, we both have equal and direct access. You and I have equal 
and direct access. There's no favoritism in the family of God. You know, in earthly families, we're, we're fallen, so sometimes there's favoritism. But in the, in the family of God, there's no favoritism. The same access I have is the same access you have. You're just as equal in what God has for you as I am as Pastor Jaron is. We all have equal and direct access in the realm of the Holy Spirit to come before the Father. So, you are not foreigners. You are not guests. But rather, you are the children of the city of the Holy Ones. I love this. With all the rights as family members of the household of God. When you're born into this family, you got rights. You got inheritance. You get a portion. Oh, isn't that good? You're not an outcast. You're not the kid who's like, eh, you just go sit over there. You're not, you don't get shunned. You're included. You're brought in. You have all the rights, equal access, all the rights as a family member of the household of God. Let's keep reading. You are rising like the perfectly fitted stones of the temple. And your lives have been built up together upon the foundation laid by the apostles and prophets. And best of all, you are connected to the head cornerstone of the building, the anointed one, Jesus Christ himself. This entire building is under construction. <laughs> we are under construction and continually growing under his supervision until it rises up completed as the holy temple of the Lord himself. This means that God is transforming each one of you into the holy of holies, his dwelling place, through the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. A little bit further in chapter 3, verse 6, it goes like this. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally, say equally, in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body. And both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. Okay, there's a lot there, and we're going to unpack this little by little. But I need you to understand what is church. First of all, church is the people of God. We are a family. Everybody say family. family. We are a family that we belong to, that we are all included with equal access, equal rights, with an inheritance that belongs to us. We are a family. We are also called the body of Christ. We are many parts, different functions, but all in one body. And the third, the third metaphor that the Bible uses to talk about the believers joined together as a family, as the body of Christ, is we are a temple of living stones built together. Now, why is this important? We're going to talk about it one by one so that we'll understand it. But here's what you need to know. The church is not a building and property. Buildings and properties are tools. They are not the church. Whether you have a building or property or not, if you believe in Jesus, you are the church. And so our allegiance should never be to a piece of property or a building or a location. Our allegiance is to Jesus and the church. And we should know that firsthand because we've been all over the place. And I think the Lord is teaching us that. 
that it is not about the building. It is about the people. The church is also not an institution, an organization. Now, legally, there are some things we have to do because the government sees us as an organization. But while there are organizational aspects to running a church family, the church is not an organization. The church is people. Tell your neighbor, people. That's you, I think, right? You're live? Also, the church is never supposed to be a country club. We're an elite group of people who belong to the country club. And we come and we come and we do our thing and we drink our beverages and we eat our food. And, oh, look at us. We're so special. We belong to a country club. This is not what Christianity is supposed to be. You, are, you and I are no better than anybody else than the homeless person on the corner, than the prostitute on the streets. We are all the same. I'm just making sure you get it. That's why I'm looking. We shouldn't walk around acting like we're all hoity-toity. Yes, I'm a Christian. I belong to a church. No, it is about relationship. It is about interdependence among the people of God. It is about the body of Christ. And so the church is a family, and that was discussed in depth this past week in Bible engagement. If you have not yet done your devotions, there are daily devotions in the app, and the app is pretty cool. It'll turn a color for you so you know you did it. If it's green, you still got to do it. If it's red, you did it. And how do I know? That's how you know. Okay? Green means go. Do your, do your devotions. Go. Grow. But sometimes the lie of the enemy will come to us and say, I don't, I don't belong here. I don't belong here. I'm not like everybody else. Or I, I, I don't look like everyone else. And I'm telling you, that is a lie of the enemy. Because when you choose to put your faith in Jesus Christ, you belong to his family. The Bible says you belong to Christ and you belong to the church. So don't let the enemy tell you, well, I don't belong. Tell your neighbor, you belong. So the church is a family. The church is also called the body of Christ. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, or I would be preaching for hours. So I'm going to just summarize this one. As we read in Ephesians 2, verse 16, together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility, our differences towards each other was put to death. So this means that you and I are no longer allowed to divide ourselves on our differences or separate or build walls. We got to learn how to come together. We are the body of Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but my body is comprised of a lot of different parts. And I'm really grateful my nose doesn't look like my toes. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad God knew what he's doing when he put the body together? You're not walking around with a hand out your back. Hey, here I am. That's why in church, in the body of Christ, you and I shouldn't always look the same, do the same. We have different functions, different giftings, different things that we do well. Some of you are gifted well in, in talking to people. We need that. Some of you are really gifted well in organization. We need that. Some of you are really good at cooking lunch. We need that. That's right. We all got different things. Man, I'm telling you, you have a special calling on your life given to you by God. He created you exactly with what you needed to do what he called you to do. 
And it is your responsibility to find out what God has called you to do. If you're a hand, be a really good hand. And clean, hopefully. (laughs) If you're a mouth, be a clean mouth, too. (laughs) Whatever your function is, find it. And I'm telling you, I'm really grateful that all all the different things in my body are functioning together as one. For the church, the people of God, to be healthy, we must all function in our different roles, but in unity. We got to accept one another because now you're a part of me. How many of you would like to chop off your hand and just go get it when you think you need it? It doesn't work that way, but, but we try to do that in the, in the body of Christ. Ah, well, my part's not as important as their part. So I'm just not going to go to church today. Or, ah, I'm not just going to, I don't fit in. I, I, I'm not like everybody else. Good. You shouldn't have to feel like you need to fit in. Because guess what? You fit in. You have a role. You have a part. And Christ has put you in. And he's fit you in. So the challenge, should you choose to accept it, and you must because Jesus commanded it, is to love one another as Christ loves us. In order to function as the body of Christ, we must learn to get along, to love like he loves. Look what it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. It says, instead, we will speak the truth in love. Growing, everybody say growing. Growing in every way, more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. I love this next phrase. Look at it. He makes the whole body Fit together perfectly. So how, I don't fit. Guess what? Jesus already knows how to make you fit perfectly. Don't let the enemy keep you from the family of God because you think you don't fit. Jesus says, I know how to make the whole body work and I fit it together perfectly. As each part, say each part. And then say, that mean, that's me. Come on, that's you. Some of you, I need you to do this. It's me. I'm looking. Do it again. It's me. Okay. I got to make sure you understand this is not, well, they can do it. Oh, well, that's for somebody. No. It's me too. This includes me. As each part does its own special work, what does it say? It helps the other parts grow. So what does this mean? We as the church cannot grow unless everybody is doing their own special work. For some of you, it's intercession. For being willing to pray and fight the battle in the heavenlies so that the manifestation of the power of God comes in our groups and in our times and we see him move. There are so many different callings and giftings, but you have a role to play. And when you don't play it, it hinders the overall growth of the church. Wow, yeah. Just let it sink in. Read it again. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. Why? So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Everything we do is motivated by love. Love for God, love for people. That is the genuine motivation of our heart. We are one body made up of different parts 
with different roles, different functions, and we are united in our diversity, but we are equally important. Amen? Amen. And it is Christ who makes us fit together perfectly. And then the third metaphor the Bible uses to talk about the people of God is that we are the temple of God. Everybody say, the temple of God. And I, I can't begin to pull back the layers yet, but God is doing something in our church. And this word is of absolute vital. And so I just encourage you to have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, because this is going to become foundational for what God is doing. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20 and 22, we read it earlier. I'm going to read it again. You are rising like the perfectly fitted stones of the temple. Now, I don't know if you've ever picked stones out of a field, but they don't fit perfectly together initially. They're different shapes, different sizes, different lengths, different widths, different weights. And in order to make them fit perfectly together, a master masonry guy, I don't know what you call him, mason? Thank you, construction people. A master mason has to come in. Now, remember, this is the old days. This is not modern days. This is the old days. They got their hammer. They got their chisel. And they had to work on crafting the stones so that they would fit perfectly together. They would take stones that looked different, that were shaped different, that were different sizes. But a master mason could do a chiseling, a work, a sanctification. Are you getting this? Transforming, taking off some of the rough edges of our personalities. Maybe you don't have rough edges, but other people, right? And dealing with some of those things so that we can learn how to fit perfectly. Perfectly fitted stones of the temple. And your lives have been built up together. Everybody say together. You've got to understand this. The body of Christ, the church, the people of God, the temple of God, we were not meant to serve God alone. That's why church is important. That's why small groups are important. That's why community with other believers is so important. Because if you try to do the Christian thing by yourself, most likely you won't make it. Let's be honest, you won't. One is easily defeated, but a cord of three is not broken. And so we got to understand that God did not create us to be isolated. He created us to be interdependent, built up together. Everybody say together. We have been built up together upon the foundation laid by the apostles and prophets. And best of all, you are connected to the head cornerstone of the building, the anointed one, Jesus Christ himself. So the foundation is the word of God. The cornerstone is Christ Jesus because he is the word. And everything that we believe is about Jesus Christ. Remember what I preached on? Christ is all that matters. He is our chief cornerstone. And the entire building is built around Christ. Now, if you don't understand how this works, the, the first stone they would lay was the cornerstone. And then every other stone was laid in reference to the cornerstone. It's what guaranteed that the building would be true, straight. That by the time they were done, the building wasn't like this, wonky. It was so that everything would be straight and true. Look at the next verse. This entire building, again, this is not talking about an earthly natural building, but the building, the metaphor, the body of Christ. This entire building 
the entire building, you and me, we are under construction and continually growing under his supervision. What does this mean? Nobody has arrived yet. Amen? That means we're all a work in progress. That means that we should give each other grace. When somebody messes up, we give grace. When we deal with a difficult personality, we give Yes! When the pastor says show up at light the night, we show up. I know you thought the answer was grace, but the answer is together we make light the night happen, okay? Just wanted to build that up right there. And you need grace to do it all day. Any work we do for Jesus needs grace. But you and I need to show each other grace. The Bible says tolerate, bear with one another's weaknesses. Why does he say that? Because he knows his people. And so we got to bear with one another, be patient with one another, help one another, give each other grace because you and I are under construction. We're being built together. Who is working on us? The Holy Spirit, Jesus, the master mason. Look what it says. This means that God is transforming each one of you into the holy of holies. What does it say? His dwelling place through what? The power of the Holy Spirit living in you. So the temple of God is not a building, but a place of inhabitation. I need you to get this. this for Heights Worship Center, you need to understand that we are not trying to build a building or a property. We are not trying to create programs and personalities. We are about the presence of God. We want to be a place where the presence of God is among us, moving among us. Signs and wonders and healings and restoration and wholeness and marriages coming together and kids coming and serving the Lord. Did you hear James prophesying? That man was prophesying. He wasn't just talking. He was prophesying. I don't know if he knew it, but the Holy Spirit was speaking through him. He was prophesying over our kids. I want, when we come together on Sundays, during the week, in our small groups, we want the presence of God. It's not about personalities. Because if it's about personalities, you're going to show up when I like that worship leader who leads. Who cares? You come and worship God because he deserves it. Who cares who's on the team? If that becomes an issue, we'll just sit down on the ground and sing a cappella. Don't think I won't. It's not about who's preaching. Because it's not about me or Pastor Jaron or anybody else who comes up here and speaks. Oh, I like it better when they speak or they... Stop. If the presence of God doesn't show up, then what are we doing? I need you to come to church ready. God, what you going to do today? Man, you're driving to church, and instead of like, I can't believe it, I had a fight with my spouse. I can't believe it, I got this stress going on, and I couldn't find the keys today. You know how the devil comes and tries to steal from you before you even get here on Sunday morning? Why? Because he knows the power of the presence of God and he wants you so angry and irritated and bleh, that when you come, you're like, bleh. I'm not getting anything. I'm not being fed. 
Look, y'all, I love you. But if you come and you don't experience the power of God, that's on you. Because I guarantee you that as the leadership of this church, the people who are praying with me on Sunday morning, the people who are leading worship, we are intentionally seeking the presence of God. And he's showing up in our services. And I'm telling you, you need to come ready to receive. Because we are to be built as the temple of God. And the temple is not four walls. The temple are the people of God, united in diversity, fitting together, seeking the power and presence of God. We are to be an inhabitation of the Holy Spirit's presence. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, it says, You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people. But... He was chosen by God for great honor. When I read this this weekend, I felt like the Lord say, some of you have been rejected by the people of God. But he is saying, I'm breaking off rejection because I have chosen you. If you feel like you've been rejected, the Lord is saying today, I know what that's like because Jesus was rejected. But God chose him. And I'm telling you today, you are not rejected. You are chosen. In Jesus' name, I break off a spirit of rejection that has come into people's hearts and minds because of the woundings they've experienced in church, because of the way they've been judged, the way they have felt outcasted. I break it off now in Jesus' name, and I release the truth that we are chosen by God. We are accepted, and we belong. And I release that spirit of acceptance in this room and online in Jesus' name. You are not rejected, y'all. You've been chosen. And look what it says, and you are living stones. Everybody say living stones. We are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priest. Stop there. You are his holy priest. People think, well, the priests are the pastors. You are also a priest. You are also a priest. It's not just for pastors or Catholics or other (laughs) denominations. You are a priest of God. You are a priest who stands in the presence of God, giving him offerings of thanksgiving and praise and also mediating, interceding on behalf of others. That's what priests did in the Old Testament. That's what you and I are called to do. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. What are some spiritual sacrifices? Well, let's talk, it could be attitude. It could be choosing to show people grace in this family where we may not always get along, right? Spiritual sacrifices are for choosing to forgive instead of hold grudges. Spiritual sacrifices are choosing to praise God when we don't feel it. Spiritual sacrifices are coming and working all day at light the night after you've been at CEF in the morning and be, doing it with a good attitude. Spiritual sacrifices are buying candy and water and canned sodas for the event and putting together awesome game booths that when the community comes, they're like, wow, what is this place? I didn't know churches did this anymore. Hello? I want quality. What if the community saw your five churches and you're doing this event together? We got Spanish-speaking churches. They're going to be playing music in Spanish. We got some rap, I think, coming, too. I mean, come on. 
It's a testimony to the world that there's something in Jesus that they need. You are part of the temple of God. What does that mean? You are called to carry the presence of God. Listen to me. The Bible says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? That's the individual. But do you not know that you are a living stone being built together with other living stones to create the big temple of God, the spiritual temple? What? The carrier of the presence of God. This church service will always follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. And that's just going to have to be something you might need to wrestle with. That means if we preach or don't preach, it depends on the Holy Spirit. If we sing a lot or we don't sing a lot, it depends on the Holy Spirit. Even the activities we choose are led by the Holy Spirit. I need you to understand this so that we are united as God continues to move us forward. I believe we are on the brink of something new. We are on the brink of something that God wants to burst forth and break forth, but he's got to make sure that we are fitted together, unified, one vision, one heart moving forward. There is a harvest that is coming, and I'm telling you, we need to be ready not to just have great programs. No, the presence of God. People will show up where the presence of God is. We need the presence of God. First Chronicles 28, I read this verse on that Sunday that Holy Spirit had us not preach. Now I'm going to preach. First Chronicles 28, verse 8 through 10. So now with God as our witness and in the sight of all Israel, the Lord's assembly, heights worships assembly, I give you this charge. Be careful to obey all the commands of the Lord your God so that you may continue to possess this good land and leave it to your children as a permanent inheritance. This is what I want. I want to build the church in such a way that the next generation does even greater and bigger than I could ever dream of. And we leave space for them to grow the vision and go beyond us. This group of young people here, they're going to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever think or act or imagine. And it's not just them, but our kids back there. Come on. You hear the way they prayed a couple Sundays ago? God is doing something. He's doing something. And so you and me here, it's not about what I want. It's about what does God want for the next generations that come after me? Because if we get focused on, well, I wish our church did this. Okay, is that a preference? Or are you sensing something from the Holy Spirit? If it's the Holy Spirit, come talk to me. <laughs> but we got to be led by the Spirit, not by preferences, not by what we've done in the past. Are you hearing me? We gotta, God's doing a new thing. So we got to say, okay, God, so what do you want us to keep doing and what should we stop doing? What should we start new? What do you want us to do? And we, we ride the wave of the Holy Spirit. Why? So that we can possess the good land, Hacienda Heights, that we have been called to all these 20-some years. And leave a permanent inheritance. He who has ears, let him hear. And Solomon, Dawn, Heights Worship Center, learn to know the God of your ancestors intimately. You and I, this is our charge. We must know God intimately. Worship and serve him. Worship and say that. Worship and serve him. We worship him and we serve him. That's why we come to light the night. That's why we give our talents at the Christmas show. That's why we give money to CEF, because we worship him and we serve him. With what? Your whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord sees every heart and knows every plan and thought. If you seek him, I 
love this. Church, if we will seek him, we will find him. Do you know that God is infinite? That means no matter how long you and I have been serving God and how much we've grown in our understanding of God, there is still so much more of him to know and to love and to learn about. There's still so, tell your neighbor, there's more. There's more. If you seek him, you will find him. That means his presence will show up. It means he will reveal himself. It means he'll show off his glory. It means he will come and do what is on his heart to do. His kingdom come, his will be done. But if you reject him because you make program more important, personality more important, what we, our preference is more important, then what does it say? I'll reject you as well. In other words, you're just basically saying, Jesus, you're not welcomed here. We got church the way we want to. This morning as we were praying with the intercessors, what rose up out of my heart, Lord, break the boxes that we have in our hearts for what church should look like. Break down those boxes. Break down the constraints of what we think Sunday should look like or the body of Christ should look like. Break down boxes. We want to know what you're building. We want to know what your heart is. We want to keep in step with what you're doing. We want to be a part of your vision, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's not fully clear. We want your presence. Build your church the way you want your church to be. If we will, he will show up. If you build it, <laughs> he will come. What are we building? Not properties, not titles, not marketing, not branding. Hungry people. All in people. Who are passionately pursuing the presence of God. That's who we are. That's what we're building. Look at the, this next verse. Everybody read the first four, four words. So take this seriously. The Lord has chosen you to build a temple as his sanctuary. Be strong and do the work. Read it one more time. Stand up, worship team, come up. Come on, stand up, stand up, worship team. Read this verse again. All the church, stand up, stretch out your legs. Oh, yes. We are awake and alert. I, I'm just telling you, my friends, my, my brothers, my sisters, I want to see a move of God in our church like never before. There's a verse in the Old Testament. I forget where it is. But it says, Lord, we've heard of your great fame. Renew your deeds in our day. In other words, it was a generation who hadn't seen revival, who hadn't seen the mighty works of God, but they were saying, God, we've heard about it. We want to see it in our time. So take this seriously. Read it with me. One, two, three. So take this seriously. The Lord has chosen you to build a temple as his sanctuary. Be strong and do the work. Everybody go like this. Be strong and do the work. Be strong. Do the work. Father God, we thank you that you love your children so much that you have brought us into your family by giving your son, Jesus Christ, as the sacrifice of our sins. It was your initiation. It was your idea. It was your implementation not to have a building, but a people, a family. God, we thank you that this is what you long for. You want to know us intimately, and you want us to know you intimately.
That we would come before your presence with sincere hearts. That we would worship you and serve you. God, we want more of you. Tear down the boxes of what we think church should look like. I want to invite you with me, church family, to pray that prayer. To say, God, tear down any boxes, preconceived ideas, if you don't know that analogy. Tear down any preconceived ideas of what I think church should look like. If there's anything that I think about church that isn't right, get rid of it, delete it. I want to know what you want for church. I want you to tell us what you want for Heights Worship Center. God, we want you to give us the blueprints. We know that we are to be built together, fitted perfectly together. Not the same, not uniformed, but unity and diversity. That we have one heart, one vision, one passion, Jesus Christ. Tear down the boxes that we've tried to put you in. We want what you want. Will you join with me in that prayer? Because, I, I mean, I, I can give you this word as, as your senior pastor, but I can't do it on my own. I can't make it happen. It needs to be all of us. So if you're willing to pray that prayer with me, I want you to lift up both of your hands as a sign of surrender. And to say, God, we want what you want. So come and teach us what the body of Christ is. Come and teach us what it is to be a temple where the power of your presence resides among your people. Come and show us how to function together as one. Different, but equal. Diverse, but unified. That we would pursue your presence over programs and branding and titles and personalities. God, we want you. We want your presence. We long for you, God. Come on, in your own prayers, I need you to pray with me. I need you to ask the Holy Spirit to do this. Come on, in agreement. God, we ask that you would do this, God. That you would show up on Sundays. That you would show up in our small groups. That you would show up in our youth groups, God. That you would show up and show off your glory. We want your presence to be manifested. God, to abide in you and have you abide in us. God, you're what we long for. You're what we long for, God. You're what we need. So we look to you, Jesus. Have your way. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Visit us in person or online at hwcim.org.